When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yeah, it's not going well for the Stars and Stripes in Rome right now. Didn't go well for the Packers last night. Didn't go well for the Texas Rangers last night either in the ninth inning. That was tough. That was tough. Uh, we'll recap that all. Also, looking forward to a big weekend. Longhorns. You know, on the way to the break, we're talking about offensive line play, and we're running out of time, so I may have overstated. Look, I'm not saying Jared Goff isn't better than he was when he was with the Rams. I think he's improved. I'm just saying when you – it's not just a couple of good offensive line. When you have a, a unit like the Lions have that's a really good offensive line together and you have an identity running the football – Jared Goff's job's easier, right? Um, it's just, and I think we're seeing it with the Longhorns too, Monty. When you can protect your quarterback, Quinn yours hasn't thrown interception this year, but he also hasn't been sacked much. He hasn't been under under duress much. There were a couple of plays against Alabama where he had to step up and and you know buy some time and make some throws, but he's been relatively clean back there. And that you know one leads to the other. A strong run game, strong uh, pass protection leads to you know quarterbacks not turning the football over and. Uh, you know, it's just the the you know, line play is just so important, and I think we're seeing it more and more than ever. And I mention it when it comes to the NFL because of the new collective bargaining and the rules. They practice less. They just they just do. They bang heads less. That's by design. Which, as we we've talked about, it's not just you just don't want five big guys. Those guys have to play like a jazz band, man. Yeah, They've got to no, be it's... the continuity of them together is what makes a good offensive line. You don't just take five good guys and they become good. They got to work together, play together, and I think in the NFL, especially early in seasons, we see them struggle to kind of find that rhythm. And but what I'm saying with watching Detroit last night, or you watch the 49ers in Week One in this season, the Eagles, when when they're when they play well together, it, it's a huge situation. I mean, you're, you you are a really good team when you've got that going, and the Longhorns are hoping they're building towards that as well. Well, and you're right. The bet you could make the case that the best athletes on the field are the defensive linemen. They're just the the strength speed, especially edge rushers or something like that. They're just phenomenal athletes. But offensive lines, once you start talking about pulling and releasing blocks and, you know, screen passes and things like that, there are subtleties on the offensive line. You think it's somebody 340 pounds doing anything subtle, but it's subtlety among the different players. It really is a unit. An offensive line is like a band. And the more you play together, that's why fifth-year senior offensive linemen are hugely – they're the kings of the team walking around – Nobody messes with them, and they're they're in the ultimate band. The offensive line is a band. Yeah, and they uh, and think of the think of the Longhorns against Rice Week One. They were just kind of seemed like they weren't communicating. Little 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 steps slow at Week One coming off training camp and the Rice game. They just looked discombobulated. But since the Alabama game, you know the running game even I mean, Wyoming. Wyoming just just had a, a good defensive scheme, and they kind of played with the, a flat coming off Alabama kind of feel. 
Uh, Baylor, they just lined up on both sides and mashed. You hope that continues to be the trend because if it's offensive line with the big humans and the way the D-line is playing, you know, this is what prevents a stumble. This is what prevents, you know, coughing up a game you shouldn't lose. Right? What, what you, as I mentioned, I was out at Little Woodrose last night for our, our Bud Light event, and uh, that's the question everybody asks. Hey, when when's it going to crash down? When's the stumble coming? And, that, yeah, and it's like, just... you know what, it could happen, but as long as they keep playing like this up front and your quarterback's not turning the ball over – it, it's going to be hard for this team to stumble. They may have to play a close game. Look, I'm not. I'm of the opinion that a dogfight with Kansas tomorrow would be a good thing ahead of the Oklahoma game before your bye week. I mean, uh, that's not a bad thing to have to get into a into a th- second half fight with a team and, and win a ball game. I'm just saying, you know, the tumble comes when you can't block people and then you can't tackle people and you, you know you get pushed around on your defensive line. This doesn't feel like a team that's, that that's going to happen to this, much at all. This year legitimately feels different. It, it does. I said it before the year with just like the the verbiage that a lot of the players were using, some of the guys we've talked to. Like I always talk about when Michael Taft came on during the summer and he did an interview during one of the weekend shows when we were still doing those. And he talked about just the love and the and the camaraderie in the locker room, and that was the first step of like, okay, the culture has finally taken effect, and Sark has controlled this team. The team is bought in, and I watching them on the field. Yeah, it's it's showing right now. And I, I'm I was I said before the year, undefeated, but I say that every year. But I actually believe it this year, <laughs> well, as of that, right now. But and that's and that's why when I talk about the, this, all started with talking about the Lions. I mean, the Lions have substance. And the word substance for me means physically dominant up front on both sides. I mean, that, that gives you – you can have all the skill players you want. If you don't have – it's like a house, right? If you don't have – if the foundation's all cracked and falling, you're, it doesn't matter what you have around it. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, this, this team – the Longhorns have substance because they have really good players and a good coach and a good defensive coordinator, but they've got great lines of scrimmage. Let's start and end with that. When you can – I mean, you think about Georgia the last few years. When Georgia – who are their best players? I mean – they're all linemen. Yep. They're all dudes. Uh, that's how you control games. And it, I know it's more of an offensive game now, and it's all quarterback-driven, but it's it's still old school when it comes to it, and that's what's great to see the Longhorns. And um, Yeah, it's it's not it's not brand-new football inside the red zone. No. You know, I mean, that that, no, that, that has not changed in 50 years. Just look back to that Arkansas game a few years ago. Oh, and the I was there. It was not good. Not good. And, yeah, uh, this is – can you imagine how C.J. Stroud's going to look when he has an offensive line again? No, that's – I mean, if you're a Texans fan, that's what you're excited about because they're going to get, you know, three or four of those offensive linemen back. And C.J. Stroud has looked phenomenal because, like, teams who have bad quarterback play with a really good offensive line, that's concerning. Like the Cleveland Browns with Deshaun Watson, (laughs) they've got a great O-line, and Deshaun Watson still looks like a wreck most of the time. That's not good. You know, when your line can block to that level, and you even without Nick Chubb, you have a strong running game. Yet your quarterback looks like he's lost back there. That's not good. That that's a that's a bad situation. Um, but you know, C.J. Stroud is overcoming, and his offensive coordinator in Houston overcoming a bad line. Now they better be good this week because they're playing Pittsburgh <laughs> and the Steelers and T.J. Watt and uh, that group, a high Smith off the edge. That'll be a challenge for them down in Houston. But, uh, yeah, uh, good conversation. Hey, let's get to the headlines. Trending topics get you caught up. It's not looking good or going good for Team USA. <laughs> Top Gun, rentals and lawn equipment, bring it to you. Yeah, uh, long, uh, Team USA over in the Ryder Cup in golf, looking then its 30-year drought in Ryder Cups played outside the U.S., and so far it's it's so bad it's over them. Absolute Roman romp this morning. The foursome sessions that are already, are already in the books, Team Europe claimed all four matches. And did so decisively. USA never led in any of the four matches, and now here we are in the afternoon sessions. And uh, right, U.S. Uh, Europe up is up in two of the matches. United States leads one, and they're tied in one of the others. So 
right now, the Europeans having their way with the Stars and Stripes. Texas football, third-ranked Horns, ready to host 24th-ranked Kansas in a matchup of 4-0 teams. Longhorns have scored 50-plus offensively in each of their last three matchups with the Jayhawks. Last year, they beat them 55-14, but in two of the three, the defense for Texas allowed 56 and 48 points that have led to shootout overtime wins and a loss, of course, with the Big 12's preseason offensive player of the year at quarterback Jalen Daniels and that unique and explosive KU option offense. Steve Sarkeesian knows they have their hands full, and they'll be tested tomorrow. Well, I think it's important that we, we play a disciplined brand of football, first of all. Uh, I think we've got to have great eyes. We've got to have great communication so that we're, we're tied on a string, that everybody's working well together, uh, that everybody trusts their keys, what they need to do, and that they can trust the guy next to him, that he's going to do what he's supposed to do. Uh, that, that's always important, especially when you start talking about option football. You know, everybody's got to have their rules and, and be dialed into that. Dialed into that. Be dialed in with us tomorrow at uh, noon. We'll go live with our pregame coverage from the Mockingbird Saloon on Guadalupe between 26th and 27th. And then the game, of course, will kick at 2.30 tomorrow. NFL Week 4 did kick off last night. Lambeau Field Lions post a statement win over their rivals, the Green Bay Packers. 34-20 was the final. But the first half, 27-3 was the score at halftime. Packers uh, Lions outgained the Packers 260 yards to 31 in the first two quarters and built that big lead. Game was never in doubt. Full slate of Week 4 action coming up on Sunday in the NFL, including the Texans. They're coming off their first win of the season. They host the Steelers, as I mentioned. Late afternoon window. Cowboys off their first loss of the year. They're going to welcome New England, the Patriots in town. A marquee game with Bill Belichick and crew. And it, of course, marks the return of the former Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott. That game will kick at 325. Major League Baseball, extremely frustrating night in Seattle for the Texas Rangers. They were uh, up 2-1 to one in the ninth inning. One out away from clinching their first playoff berth in seven years, but uh, J.P. Crawford ripped a two-run double into the left uh, into the left field corner uh, to rally the homestanding Mariners to a 3-2 walk-off win. Um, Rangers' magic number still one to clinch the playoffs. The Idol Astros are a game and a half back in the AL West now. Uh, Mariners are one game back of Houston in the race for the final wild card. Orioles did clinch the American League lead East last night with the, uh, their 100th win of the season. Corn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. The heat's made us crazy. Get up to $100 off select steel backpack blowers and employee pricing on all zero-turn mowers in stock this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. High school football started last night as well. A lot of blowouts around Central Texas. We got Vandergriff tonight playing Mainer right here on the horn. We talked to Drew Sanders this week. They're off to a great start. You know, Vandergriff was in the state title game last year, and they might be better this year. You know, Vandergriff. Um, if you don't, you're not with us using the 10 o'clock hour, and we talked to Coach Sanders, their quarterback is uh, the son of former Texas wide receiver Mike Adams. Remember Mike Adams, the receiver sure. who played opposite Lavelle Pinckney and sure. those James Brown teams of the 90s when Bucky was coaching down there. Yeah, Mike Adams' son, Deuce, is their quarterback. His brother plays as a receiver for him. He's really good. Uh, Deuce Adams is a big-time player. Vandergriff's good. Lake Travis is good. Westlake's good in high school football. Last night, Anderson. Anderson's better. Clobbered Aikens last night. Uh, Crockett went even bigger to beat Lassa. Travis beat Northeast. Johnson City tapped Hempstead. How about this game? This is a weird game for 20, 2023 football. McNeil beat Vista Ridge 7-6. 7-6. 7-6. That's old school. Uh, Pflugerville Conley beat Colleen. And uh, you know, Chaparral knocked off Pflugerville. So, yeah, you got high school football coming tonight. High school football last night. and uh, do, you, do you see who Westlake plays on there tonight? Who do they play tonight? I don't know. I'm asking. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me who Westlake plays. You I'm mean, not. You I'm mean... not that caught up with high school football these days. <laughs> did you find your keys? I did not find my brother's keys yet. Your wallet? My wallet's been with me. It's... I am not my brother's keys keeper. 
You're going to have to find those eventually, I think, is going to be the key. But uh, no pun intended. All right, so we got a lot. We're talking Texas football. We're talking Sark and this Longhorn team. Looking forward. Uh, Ty, you're the uh, the aspiring professional gambler in the building. Uh, anyway, Colorado keeps this game inside the number tomorrow. 21 and a half. Uh, last I saw it, I, that's one of my five picks uh, later in the show. Yeah, so you, got, you and I will go head-to-head. Well, that's going to be head-to-head because I'm taking USC. Uh, can I give you a statistic that is going to lead me to taking USC in that game? Two stats. Because the, the Colorado hype train has been great for college football. The Deion Sanders thing has been a blast to watch, but the wheels are coming off. Uh, just because they're playing better teams. Let's be fair. They played a they played TCU, who wasn't ready to play them. And, you know, they had the element of surprise in that game in Fort Worth. And it, it was they still had to yeah. struggle to win it. I mean, TCU <clears throat> couldn't have played worse. TCU thought they were going to win that game. That and they couldn't apparent. have played worse, yet they still almost won the game. Uh, and then, of course, the Nebraska game with Matt Rule. Matt Rule has no quarterback, and that was their most impressive win. Then the Colorado State game, they were lucky to win that game. Uh, it was all Shadur Sanders and an unbelievable comeback and 99-yard drive kind of willing his team to a victory. That was impressive. And weren't they 14-point favorites? Just, I mean, they, yeah. they, they were significantly better on paper than And now they, they play Oregon, who they were 21-point underdogs and lost by 40-something. It could have been worse. Remember, it was 35 nothing at half. Oregon could have kept going if they had wanted to. And I, you know, here's the thing about USC. Here's the two stats that stand out to me. Number one in the country, a metric called pressure rate without blitzing. Pressure rate without blitzing, number one, USC. They get great pressure from their down four. Without blitzing, pressure rate without it, it's USC number one. Shador Sanders has been sacked 22 times. That's a problem. Also, USC has the most prolific offense in the country. Uh, they and Washington, the Washington Huskies with Michael Penix, the two most prolific and productive offenses. Ty, I disagree with you. I'll, we'll go ahead and go head-to-head on that. I, USC will run away with this game. Ty, Ty is that really true? Are you thinking about a, a career in gambling? No. I mean, I'm 3-0 in the past three days. <laughs> the perfect so you answer. Tell me. You tell me. Ah, it sounds like you're on your way, kid. Uh, I know this game, unlike the the one at Outson Stadium in Oregon, this game is at Folsom Field. This game will be in front of the home crowd. But you're telling me you have the most um, organized – I don't know if I like the word organized here, but, I mean, the USC's offense is prolific. And they have the best player in the the country running it. I mean, Caleb Williams has got 1,200 yards passing, 15 touchdowns, no picks already this year. Uh, he's ridiculous. They run the ball. They have a you know the kid Lloyd has run for 350 yards already this season. They got uh, two dudes over 250 receiving yards. Their offense is going to score. And when I say pressure rate, Shadur Sanders is back there under duress. And this is a USC team. Their defense still and they have some challenges tackling in the back end. They gave up some big plays to Arizona last week, but uh, Arizona State. But they, again, when you when you look at the, at the deep dive, they get great pressure without blitzing, which. We know without Travis Hunter, which Colorado won't have Travis Hunter in this game tomorrow, uh, he's their best weapon both ways. That just makes it worse. I think this one could very be very similar to the Oregon game. Very similar. I don't. I I just don't trust USC's defense. Still, I know the stats you just brought up about pressure rate and all, but I th- and, I, and I don't think Coach Prime's gonna get embarrassed like that two weeks in a row. I think he's. I think yeah. he's got. He's got more. You gotta have horses to prevent it, right? It's one thing to say you don't want to, but at the same time, if you don't have the line, we're just talking about lines of scrimmage. If you can't line up and and block them, your quarterback is running for his life back there already. And if if you know if the if the the best team in the country pressuring the quarterback without blitzing is to be able to get pressure, and then you got to throw into seven eight man coverages, that's a problem for the. So you're gonna have a hard time moving the ball, and then. 
defensively, you're challenged yeah. in the trenches, too, and you're playing the best offense in the country. And there's film on you now. I mean, that's the thing. They, you're, you're right about them catching TCU off guard. Nobody knew what they were going to get with Colorado and Coach Prime. Well, now US, there's film on them. Colorado averages 55 yards rushing a game. 55. That um, is They anemic. don't run the ball. It's all on Shadur Sanders. He doesn't have Travis Hunter now. And again, I, USC, there are some people I see voting USC number one in the country. I mean, the two, the team, Georgia has played no one, right? So we don't know if they're good or not. Um, you know, USC, uh, you know, Georgia just started, the, the, and Georgia and Michigan started the year preseason one and two, and they're just there, but neither of them have been no. tested yet. Uh, I've seen a lot of people that I respect who, who cover college football who have Washington and Oregon. Uh, Washington and USC is the one and two teams in the country right now. Yeah. Uh, and maybe they are. I mean, the Longhorns saw Michael Penix and Washington in the Alamo Bowl. That team is really good. You know, but neither Washington nor USC have the kind of win that Texas has. That's I right. mean, that's the thing. Yeah, you're right about that. Is, is if you're looking at quality wins versus just like, you know, the, the Wolverines really haven't played anyone. But, 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 I mean, the most quality win out there is Texas. Yeah, it, well. I would get Florida State with two quality wins well, at that, Clemson and over LSU. Yeah, I mean that's true. Although might trump the one Texas win because Alabama was you know was still no, trying to figure true. out their they offense. Have two of them. But you're right. I mean, uh, as much as I'm talking about USC, they've beaten the likes of San Jose, Nevada, Stanford, and Arizona State. So, um, but I just don't. I think I don't think Colorado's that good. And this is not a knock at Dion. I love Dion. I'm a big oh, primetime guy. So great for college football. I, I like anybody that comes in and scares the establishment. You bet. Right? I mean, you bet. And you know, I mean, I, I I guess you guys have probably talked about this, but but the uh, Oregon coach saying that Colorado's out for clicks and Oregon is out for wins—that is rich. <laughs> I mean, that is rich from a team that has a new uniform every week right. and is tied at the hip to Nike. Has the nerve to talk about somebody else being out for clicks? That's well, I will a say joke. that the audio and the video that came out of Colorado players talking trash before the game probably wasn't their best well, idea. No, it's it, you know. And Colorado needs to stop talking and just play now. That's but, true. I mean, that's true. That'll that'll get wearying well, if they keep well, losing. And by the way, yeah. USC cuz I think they're going to have an easy time tomorrow at Folsom Field on the big big noon game on Fox. Um you'll be able to watch that <laughs> and then I think it'll be comfortably in hand for USC and then you can watch Texas play Kansas at 2:30. Their their first big test comes up in a couple of weeks. They're going to play Notre Dame at Notre Dame, USC. Uh, Notre Dame off. How about Notre Dame playing Duke tomorrow in a big marquee game? That's where college game day is going to cover the Mike Elko's Duke Blue Devils. And um, there's so I've heard some growing conversation out of College Station that if Jimbo Fisher doesn't get to eight wins this year, that there could be a move afoot to move on, and that um, Mike Elko, the Duke coach, would be one of the first names mentioned because it's not gone unnoticed that. When Mike Elko, who was their defensive coordinator, left to take the Duke job, when he left, that's when all the culture issues started to crank up down at, at A&M. That's when all the off-field stuff. There wasn't much of that in Jimbo's first couple of years, right? There was a, a double-digit win season in there, and Mike Elko and that physical, tough defense was a big part of it. Uh, but also folks down there would tell you that, um, you know, the, 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 the discipline, the, the culture stuff Mike Elko left with, and it just hasn't been there since. Uh, so he's a name you're going to hear. So watch for them. If they can beat Notre Dame tomorrow, watch out for Duke. Don't know. Depends on Notre Dame puts out a ten or eleven people. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's hard to overcome for Marcus Freeman, especially when you got this game on the road now coming off of that. Then you got USC in a couple of weeks coming to your place, and we know that USC and Washington are going to meet November the fourth. Go ahead and mark your calendar on that day. The day Texas hosts Kansas State here in what still may be a pretty big game in the Big Twelve. Uh, maybe the game of the year in college football looming with um, USC and Washington 
And I don't want to dismiss Oregon or or Washington State or all these teams. Is in the Arizona? Pac-12. Arizona's not good. No, but are are they? Uh, have they? What's their record? Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, uh, three and one. Three, three and, and one? one. Yeah. Well, no one in the Pac-12 is bad. I mean, everyone everyone was good. Remember, they were undefeated in the first week. They had one loss through two weeks as a conference in the non-con. I mean, they're they're the story of the year in college football outside of Dion. And, um, you know, we'll get to see that front row here. So uh, thoughts on that? College football general. We'll come back, go behind the burnt orange curtain again, talk Texas football, hear from Sark, get ready for Kansas tomorrow. And uh, your thoughts, if Ty and I go head-to-head. I got USC in the 21. Uh, he's got uh, the Buffaloes keeping it close. I just don't see how they're going to do that. You know, I'm I'm also real interested in TCU uh, West Virginia. That's a sneaky I mean, good game. Yeah, we'll mention that coming back and why it's a sneaky good game, an important game in the Big 12 Conference. Details on that come. A great point by Monty Williams. We'll also get uh, some off the record before the end of the hour. Hook them up. Friday is here, folks. Ian Robby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Friday on The Horn. That makes it a football Friday. The Ric Flair, woo, from Rod Babers if he were here, but he's uh, holding his baby, I would imagine, right now. Who, uh, as I said yesterday, Monty, I know I know the name of the child. I'm not going to reveal it until Rod wants oh. to do so on Monday. I'll Fair him, enough. I'll let him introduce his first child to the world. Has the gender been announced? Yes, girl. Girl. And I did say yesterday, her middle name, Grace. Mm. Middle name, Grace. But uh, Rod will be able to uh, reveal that tomorrow if he wants to at uh, Mockingbird Saloon. We'll be on noon to 2. I bet he does. I would bet he'll be a proud papa, which we all will. I'll bring him a cigar tomorrow. I've got to remind myself. Mental note. i got to get Rod a cigar. Where do I get a good cigar, Ty? Get one up at the golf shop there no, at no. Onion Creek, I think. I'm not a big cigar guy. I think at Onion that Creek Club. That is surprising. I don't know. That's surprising. I thought Ty would be a cigar guy. I mean, I've, I'll smoke a cigar. <laughs> I don't go out and buy them. All right, well, let somebody let me know where's a good cigar for a first-time father that I need to take to. to is that still a thing? Oh, sure. That's still a thing? Sure. Because I've, I've always said when I was, uh, so one of the reasons I've always been, I think, pretty good with kids and children, work, grew up working with them. When I was eight, my parents had my brother. When I was 10, they had my sister. So I kind of grew up with babies in the house. Yeah. And then their friends in the house and babysitting kids and whatnot, lifeguarding at the pool. But um, I remember being at the... Uh, at the hospital with my parents when my brother and sister were born, and everybody's bringing my dad cigars, and I was like, I was like, that that was that was that was impactful. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. That's kind of cool. I don't want a cigar, but now uh, is that? But is that still a deal? Because I know when I had my kids, nobody brought me a cigar. If Quinn Ewers can smoke a cigar in the locker room after the Alabama win, Roger. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a surprising kid. picture. That really uh, was. I didn't like that. It was very like much. Joe Burrow after. Well, he won the only one. Well, in co- you mean yeah, but you won one game in the regular season. Like you do that when you win a national championship, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you become the first team in a while and to break a twenty-some game win streak, and no one wins in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, but imagine the memes. As if we do lose one of these games, we shouldn't lose. You don't know what it's like to need tobacco. I do. <laughs> I do. I do not. I, I, I do. do not. I do not. Are you a dipper? I used to be. Um, I used to dip two cans a day, and then my mom, who used to smoke cigarettes, gave me my first vape. Oh. And that got me even more addicted to nicotine because you can just do that whenever. Yeah. And now I, I'm trying to quit that, but I'm trying to quit it by smoking cigarettes. <laughs> so it's we're all going backwards here. I used to. I used it's to off the rails. When I was a reporter, I used to suck cigarettes. Really? Down. Oh my god. I'd, I'd I'd smoke one and I'd have one torn up and 
put down in my pouch. What? Know, pouch here and used to love to, you know, and then read a 30-second story about grinding car crash on. No, I used to <laughs> love to smoke on the air. But I don't anymore, and I haven't for that seems, 30 years. What is the show I watched recently? Oh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders, uh, the, the Killian Murphy guy. Mm-hmm. He's smoking the whole, every like every scene, he's lighting up a cigarette, uh, which I kind of grew up with because both my grandparents smoked, and uh, my parents never did. I love my grandparents' house. They smoke inside, and I love the smell of their house. It's, I, I imagine what's what like the 70s smelled like. You know, it's always funny on old movies to see scenes where a doctor will light up. You oh, yeah. know? <laughs> airplanes. <laughs> yeah, airplanes. I, I, I don't know why this is just him. I remember uh, we had when I got married in the mid in the late 90s, everybody from Ohio, all my family, my grandparents and uncles and aunts and, and hers. We had a huge, like a 300-plus person wedding, Catholic wedding, because everybody came. And I just remember my, my grandparents, my mom's parents, driving away, and they had ridden down with my aunt and uncle. And they were driving out of our driveway, and the, the all four windows were cracked, and there was smoke coming out of all four windows. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like you're going to drive all the way back to Ohio smoking cigarettes together? That looks awful. Man, and now now that I've been away for it for so long, I can smell cigarette smoke, I'll bet, a quarter of a mile away. Oh, yeah, you walk into it's it like unbelievable a... how, on you know, in clothes, in places like that, I, 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 I'm so sensitive to the smell now. But, oh, no, I used to I used to be tobaccoized big time. Not me. That's one thing I've never been addicted to to tobacco i've got i've had some other ish vices but uh, not that not never tobacco i don't know why because as i said i grew up around it and i just never wanted to do it i I was high energy people like this you know i mean it's a great gesturing tool you can just tell a person they're a jerk without ever having to say it you just take your cigarette and go (laughs) like that Ooh, nice Body language. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to nonverbal communication. I'm yeah, a big fan. I'm gonna take that from you right there. That's hey, one. let's go behind the burn orange curtain. It's Texas football talk. Longhorns playing the uh, Baylor uh, the Baylor Bears. Coming off the Baylor Bears win, they're gonna play the Kansas Jayhawks tomorrow at two thirty. And they were all asking themselves the same question: What is behind that curtain? Yeah, what is behind the game plan for the Longhorns? Our big question and. Before we get into that, you mentioned the uh, West Virginia TCU game. I know that's not Texas, but look, this is the biggest game in the Big 12 tomorrow, without a doubt, uh, because both teams are undefeated. Both teams are ranked. There are only three Big 12 teams ranked right now. These are two of them, and the winner is, you know, in first place. And if the Longhorns win it, you know, it's their second win over a ranked team, uh, putting themselves at five and zero headed into the uh, the showdown with Oklahoma next week. And Oklahoma is likely to win because they're playing an Iowa State team. Now, here's the thing about that Iowa State game, uh, Monty. Uh, Iowa State's still pretty good. If you go to the stats, they're pretty good defensively. They're just so offensively challenged right now. I don't know if they can, but you know, I watched Cincinnati play some pretty good defense against Oklahoma last week, held them to 20 points. And if their offense could have done anything in the red zone, that'd have been a closer game. I don't expect that to be close, but I'm, I'm, I'm still not sold on Oklahoma. You know, being where Texas is as far as lines of scrimmage and dynamic playmaking and all that, uh, both sides of the ball. But the, the game you mentioned that I'll be watching outside of, in the Big 12 outside of Texas and Kansas the most is that West Virginia TCU mm-hmm. game. And, you know, people have kind of forgotten about both teams because they both lost early to good teams. Colorado was a good team. They, TCU took that embarrassing loss to Colorado that really lit the fuse on this whole Colorado mania, which has been great for college football, great for ESPN, great for all the TV networks and Deion Sanders. But also early, West Virginia got beat up by Penn State. Yeah, which is which is no, you know, I mean, you don't need to hang your head for that. And people that listen Penn to this State's show know I'm, uh, I'm on Penn State this year. I think Drew Aller's a good quarterback. I think this is James Franklin's best team. And I understand that James Franklin's got to show that he can do it. He's got to do it because no, he hadn't, right? Beat Michigan, beat Penn State. 
Uh, but this feels like a team that has their best chance. But so, but here's the thing with West Virginia and TCU—they're both three and one. There were both losses. All, both teams' losses came in non-con, and if they, the winner of this game is going to be four and one and undefeated in the Big Twelve. So, in a, you know, West Virginia just beat Texas Tech. TCU's kind of rebounded and uh, put some wins on the board since that loss. So I'll be—that's a night game at Amon Carter, so you can watch it after you get home from the Texas game or watch the Texas game. That's a, that's a sneaky, interesting game to watch for me. And Pitt's a quality win for West Virginia. I mean, that's 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 you yeah. Know. Well, they beat Texas Tech last week. Yeah. And now Tyler Shuck broke that. his leg in that game. Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, speaking of Texas Tech, they play Houston this week. The uh, Cougs with Dana Holgerson coming in. And remember, Houston's quarterback was Texas Tech's quarterback last year. The big big kid Donovan Smith, the playing quarterback, and Texas Tech's without their quarterback. They're going with uh, Baron Morton, the Bear Raid. Will be coming at him. So obviously, Joey Joey McGuire's teams have been much better at home. They're not a very good road team right now under Joey McGuire, and they have some issues. Also, the um, the Baylor Bears after the Lawhorns pounded lumps into them last week, they're going to Central Florida. We told you when Texas when Baylor lost to Texas State and then lost Blake Shapin, that they were looking at a one and five start for Dave Aranda, and they they're looking straight down the barrel of that right now. Yep, because Texas gave them their third loss. Then they go to Central Florida, and I think the following week. Um, let me look at Baylor. They have one more coming before they get a, a break. Uh, Baylor's week five is against uh, Texas Tech at McLean Stadium. So uh, we'll see. Dave Aranda uh, on the rocks. But as for Texas, behind the burnt orange curtain, playing the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's uh, let's get the. Uh, I wanted to hear Sark because he was asked yesterday about the evolution of this defense and Pete Kwiatkowski, the defensive coordinator. Uh, why has it improved? You know, year by year. Obviously, it was. Pretty dreadful, especially late in games and late in uh, fourth quarters in week year one. Last year was better, but still had some issues, especially some depth issues. And then this year it's been really rock solid outside of a, a couple of plays. They've held three opponents to 10 points or under. Only Alabama got 24. Here's Sark when asked about his defensive coordinator and his his uh, his rise. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's one thing I admire about PK. You know, he's not um, one of these guys that just kind of – stuck and this is how I've always done it. And so this is the way we're going to do it moving forward. You know, he's evolved as a coach, you know, when, when he was at Boise, it was a lot of, a lot of quarters coverage and, and that's, that was their style with, with some different fronts involved. There was a stretch there when he was at Washington, they were a big three deep, you know, Seattle Seahawk cover three deep team. And they were really good when, when he did that at, uh, at, at Washington, since we've gotten here, we've evolved some, you know, we're, we're playing a little bit more man. We're playing a little bit more tighter coverage. So I think that's a credit to PK is that he's willing to evolve and to change and to, to fit his scheme predicated on the personnel that he has. And so, um, you know, I think that's probably the thing that I've noticed most is that his willingness to evolve uh, schematically and then call it accordingly with, with the strengths of the, of the players that he has. All right, evolve, uh, and I like that. Uh, and look, you got to play to your your skin, your your talent too. And this group right now is so good in the middle, right, with the two tackles playing at an all American level. Jalen Ford playing at all American level. The one issue they've had is in in the secondary, right? They've given up some big plays over the top. A lot of times, it's safeties in coverage. Jaron Thompson, uh, notably against Alabama. Uh, last week was Michael Taff, and um, you know the only thing Baylor could do last year last week was go over the top, and that's their that was their only offense. And you know Kansas has seen that, right? Kansas is a team that likes to run the ball with their option, right? They have two good running backs and a running quarterback, and they spread you, and they run the option, so you have to be very gap-disciplined and assignment sound. But then if your safeties then creep up, then they'll take a deep shot. They're not one of these 
know, precision passing games that's going to, you know, dink and dunk you down the field. They're going to try to take shots based off their run game and their play action. That's where the Texas safeties have to be good. And you wonder, you called it, a, you mentioned Jalen Catalan. You know, Jalen Catalan hasn't played in 40, you know, he's only been on the field for under 40% of the snaps this year. He was the big Arkansas transfer. This does feel like a game where his ability to come up and stop the run, play as a physical box safety against this running game, to go with Jalen Ford and David Benda. You could see him up there, Jade Barron, uh, what an impactful player he is at, at that star position. But um, I'm interested because you know, the coverage at safety has been a challenge. Like when, they, when, a, when a team is able to scheme a, a, a good receiver onto one of their safeties and get him in coverage, that's been a challenge for Texas so far. And we have seen the freshman Derek Williams – the five-star kid out of uh, out of of Louisiana, they call him the Raptor. Got these big long arms and uh, just really good coverage safety. Rod has given you the numbers on him. They also have a kid, Manny Muhammad, Malik Muhammad, out of Dallas South South Oak Cliff. He's a, a a freshman too. But both have been playing a lot, quite a bit in this safety and defensive back rotation. And you wonder against an athletic team like Kansas if we don't see more of that, where they're they're going to get locked up in coverage, and you want to put your better coverage players. Here's Sark talking about those young guys, Derek. Uh, Derek Williams and Manny Muhammad and the impact they've had and could have tomorrow and moving forward. Yeah, I'd love to. You know, but both of those guys have really um, worked at their craft. You know, different positions, obviously, one playing corner, one playing safety. Um, and I always think it's difficult when you come into a program as a five-star recruit and there's that natural expectation that you're going to walk in the door and be a frontline starter from day one. And I think they quickly realized we have some other really good players at, at those positions that we're going to make these guys earn their playing time because they were going to play good football too. Um, and I think that what we've seen here through the first month of the season is that both of their games have naturally and gradually improved over the first month of the season. And I feel like they played their best football this past Saturday at Baylor. I know Manny had a couple plays that were close and bang, bang. He'd love to have back, um, but he's in great position and he's playing the game with a lot of confidence. Um, so I, I love where, where he's, what he's growing into. I think Derek Williams gives us a very unique skill set at the safety spot. You know, he's a really good tackler. Um, it probably didn't look like much, but there was a run that spit out in the fourth quarter last week um, where we don't fit it right. I think in like a third or a fourth down and Derek Williams makes a really clean tackle in the middle of the field to limit that run to about a 12 yard gain, but yet he can cover man to man and he can play tight and man coverage. Um, and so he gives us that skill set. He gives us a speed factor. So both guys have committed themselves to the development aspect of the game and, and really understanding the defense, but also credit the other guys in that room for making them better because they haven't made it easy on them to earn their playing time. All right. There you go. There's Sark. And uh, I'd be interested. I'll be watching that. And obviously, when you, if you're at the game, it's easier to see who's on the field and not play by play. But uh, I don't wonder with the, the coverage cha challenging you know, coverages for these safeties at times, if you don't see within a series, like, you know, Jaron Thompson's on the field on first and second down, and then, you know, third long, obvious passing situations, maybe you see a Derek Williams run out on the field and, and to, to provide some, some, you know, better coverage. Uh, that's something to watch tomorrow uh, because, as I've said a lot, if Kansas can get some points out of their early scripted plays, right, those first few drives, uh, send a message to Texas, uh, this could be a really good football game. If, if Texas throws a blanket over that, I think it's going to be a long football game for Kansas. And uh, this is a great chess match between Lance Leipold, who's one of the best coaches in, in college football, 
and his schemes are some of the most unique and uh, creative. And then PK, you just heard Sark talking about uh, his evolution as a DC. Hey, thanks to everybody with all the, uh, I don't know why sometimes your brain just doesn't work. I mean, somebody, somebody said specs for cigars. Several people did, of course. They used to do spots for specs. Total I know wine. Total wine. And yeah, there's a cool place in downtown Buda. I go to Buda a lot because I live in South Austin and traffic is such a nightmare going north. Uh, I live in Onion Creek. I mean, getting north these days is just a, a challenge. So I go into Buda quite a bit and uh, they've got a place called Cigar Vault. The Cigar Vault has cool ones too. So props to those folks right on Buda Main Street. Uh, thank you for all those suggestions. I'll get a cigar for Rod for his uh, his baby. I bet I, I bet he'd appreciate that. This guy says, and you know, you can get a bubble gum cigar if you have to. Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't have to like. If somebody gave me a cigar when I had, I wouldn't have smoked it. I just kind of oh, kept it as a. I'd uh, light souvenir. that heater up right away. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would not wait. Hey, uh, my my lungs and any type of smoking is never. Well, you don't gone inhale good. the cigar smoke. You don't. You just kind of choke, chew on it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you get you get Thank the you, nicotine Clinton. right through the old tongue. I mean, you can inhale it. It's, yeah. it doesn't work out very well. But you sound yes. like Bill Clinton right now. Thank you very much. Can we move off of this from cigars and inhaling? And <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> off the record is coming next, including a question I have for Monty that we had yesterday. Can't wait to hear this answer. Uh, also, the uh, the other off the record topics of a Friday coming next. D.D. Mega Doodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a brain bag comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh, man, off the record. Monty, who's the most famous person in your phone? We had that debate yesterday with our buddy Mark Higgins, and uh, Nick Shuley was in here, and uh, mine was Nolan Ryan. Mine's Spielberg. Spielberg. Dang! Trump card. Well, it's first of all, I've lost his number now, and second of all, he he ain't picking up <laughs> if I were to call. That was the other part but, of the debate. Would, yeah, would they answer no, the phone? No. But uh, we, we, I was in a very small uh, group of people who – we felt he was calling us too much. <laughs> Back in the day. I, I you know. And now I just know oh, I beg Dr- for him to call and he doesn't anymore. But no, it, it'd be the beard. DreamWorks when you were working for them. But yeah. Getting that Hollywood paycheck. Getting that Hollywood paycheck. Scoot, Which I'm scoot. glad to see the writers are going to get one again. So this is over. We talked a little bit this about it. This is over. It. Yeah. What, it's, what, what, uh, what has bridged the gap, do we think, as far as well, this? Uh, I mean, right? Because you issues, are a member of the Screenwriters Guild. Yeah. The, I mean, the issues are AI. It's, it's one thing. AI is not going to go away. And writers, I think, are not, are not uh, knee-jerk against AI. As a matter of fact, I use AI when I, when I write some stuff. Uh, but you can't replace a writer with AI. You can allow you, and if you're giving a writer material that's from AI, you've got to disclose that to the writer. But you can't replace a writer with AI. But one of the biggest ones is streaming. If do I have a second? Yeah, the streaming this is off the record, Monty. I understand the streaming issue. What a lot of streaming services are doing now is to offer a lower cost to the viewer per month. Like I give Ty and Aaron, you don't have to pay 20 bucks a month to watch my streaming service now. Only 10, but you're going to get commercials. What happens is my revenue is the streaming service goes up. And the th- issue was I'm not sharing any of that with the writers. 
the people are still paying the streaming service, whatever it is, to watch the content that the writers produce, and yet the writers aren't in on any of that new revenue just because the streaming service has figured out a way to get more revenue. And the writers ought to share, and and actors too. And, of course, now all the eyes are going to be on uh, uh, SAG and AFTRA to see what what happens now with the actors. But... uh, but I'm I'm happy with the I'm happy with the way things are and and like I say AI it's not about AI not touching a script it's just you can't replace a writer with a computer. Got you. All right, uh, and I'm glad that's coming to an end because uh, and that's the kind of thing unions do. And I'm a proud member of two unions: the Writers Guild and the United Steelworkers of America. Atta boy, I'm a member of none. Well, none unions. There's not a radio host union. That doesn't make you a scab, though. That does not. Uh, okay, so uh, also in off the record, uh, the NFL is going to capitalize this weekend. The NFL is the biggest TV show in the world. And how about this? Not only is Taylor Swift going to the Jets game Monday, <laughs> Monday Sunday night, so the NFL is going to get this huge boost in female viewership, which is crazy, the legion of fans that Taylor Swift has. You see last week when she just showed up at the Chiefs game and it, the word, word spread that the uh, – the viewership among females, 18 to 49, was up 63% for that game. Uh, and now they know she's coming, and so they're going to be all eyes. NBC is going to fi- make that a fixture because I don't think the game's going to be very good because Zach Wilson's still playing quarterback for the Jets. And maybe they can get Zach Wilson's mom's friend there, too. Remember when Zach Wilson was the whole hubbub about him? It might make da- him play better. Having a dalliance with his mom's best friend? No. Oh, yeah, that's a great story. i got to look that up. Yeah, man. Uh, but the they're also going the other way. The first game of Sunday is a game from London's Wembley Stadium, Jacksonville, playing Atlanta, Bijan Robinson. This is where ESPN and Disney are getting together, and it's going to be for kids. They're calling it the Sunday Foot NFL Special or whatever, and it's going to be all told. To- if you watch on the Disney or ESPN Plus. Yeah, and it's the same thing. Disney and ESPN are the same thing. Right, but it's going to be all Toy Story built around. So the game will be going on, and they're going to have all kinds of Studio animation and Toy Story creative. And obviously it's on, like, it starts at like 9 o'clock in the morning. So when kids are normally up watching cartoons, hey, flip on the football game and you'll get, you know, Buzz <laughs> no, and Woody. No, it's supposed to be like an animated, like they're going to animate the game. Yes. I think. I'm, 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 I might have to watch that or at least tune in and see what it looks like. The ever-expanding brand of the National Football League. Kids. It's unbanned. Let me tell women. you, Taylor Swift's re- teenage girls now. I mean, if they wrap up that elusive market, that's it. And that's why a lot of people think the Taylor Swift thing was choreographed and marketed. Let's bring in new Never. audience. Never would they do that. Never. Ah. Team Taylor. Team Kelsey. Team Travis. We're back. Two more hours to go on a busy, busy Friday morning. Monty Williams hanging tie is here. You are here. Thank you for doing that.